0: This morning, uh, I want you to turn to two passages, Luke chapter 19 and Acts 20. We're going to continue in a series called uh, Seek and Save. Today, I want to speak to you a message called Missional Mindset. Missional Mindset. Uh, I want to remind everybody of this that that during this month we are focusing on missions we came out of a series on stewardship where god was saying to us i've given gifts to each one of you so that you could steward them. Some of them are resources. Some of them are talents, giftings, abilities. Some of them are divine enablements that you are to minister to other people. We talked about that in February. Well, it does, it does no good to commit to stewardship if you're actually not releasing them missionally. And so we are stepping in all month long to, so that as a church, we, we grow in our mindset about missions. And uh, the, the good news about having a missional mindset right now is that this is the greatest hour of awakening and revival in the history of the earth. This is, there are more people being born again right now than at any time in human history. And listen, whatever you do, do not take spiritual clues from news networks. You got to get news from underground networks. You've got to get some people on the ground talking to you about what's happening in Iran. You need some people to actually tell you what's going on in China right now with the church and the explosion that is happening worldwide in Christianity. Now, uh, the reason all of that is happening is because Jesus has never changed his mission. And today, he's walking up and down these aisles through the person of the Holy Spirit doing exactly what he did when he walked the earth in the flesh. And he declared his purpose in Luke chapter 19. And he said this, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That which is lost. The Son of Man is has come to seek and And to save that which is lost. I've got some good news. If you came in here broken today, you just feel like you're falling apart. Jesus has come looking for you. If you came in here and you're addicted, you're you are hungover this morning. You're like, this guy is so loud. (laughs) Good news. This loud guy has been sent on a mission to seek and save. And Jesus is coming to save you. Listen, if you come in here and you're just like, man, I just, I felt so bad about myself. I need to do something to, to cleanse my conscience from, you know, from doing things I know God doesn't like. So I'm just going to go to church and I'll feel better till Monday. I've got news for you. Jesus is coming to save you. From all that religious garbage, from sin and bondage. Listen, if you came in here and you've been dealing with sexual immorality because you live with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, it's wrong. God's against it. He can't bless it. Good news! Jesus is coming to seek and save you. He's coming to seek and save! He's coming to rescue. The word save, it means that. Rescue. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've been downtown a lot, near the hospital. My kids get out of school, and every day, about the same time... There are ambulances racing up and down the street and the lights are blaring and there is a sound released when someone is coming to rescue another person. And I want to tell you, there's a sound that's being released out of this church. There is a sound. It's the sound of redemption. It's the sound of salvation. It's the sound of deliverance. Why? Because Jesus hasn't changed his mission. He has come to seek and to save. I love this because we get to be a part of it. Now We have a mandate here at Calvary to be a thriving local church that makes a global impact. But unless we live with the same mission that Christ lives with now, we won't thrive. We may succeed in some some areas, we will not thrive. We're called to be a, a, a vibrant church full of God's love, full of God's spirit and power to be a well of healing to this community, that people could come sick and find supernatural healing, that people could come broken and and depressed and find a God who truly delivers because that's what he does. That is what he does. You say, how can you be convinced? Because Jesus Christ himself is perfect theology. And if you see him doing it in the New Testament, he is modeling for us what a man or a woman under the influence of the the Holy Spirit is to look like to this planet. Now, I don't want to, to gloss over what actually is. Because many people in the church actually don't live on mission. And I don't know that the Lord would even have me speaking about this this topic if it wasn't to take us to another level. That means, in some way, God is saying there is another level of agreement that I want you to come into personally and corporately. A few years ago, a Christian research company, um, Lifeway, they did a study that, that, that says this it's a fascinating study. Uh, Of people who attend church one or more times a month, okay, they ask this question. Do we bear responsibility in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with other people? This study found that eight out of ten said yes. We bear that responsibility. Of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You say, why do they do that? Because the scripture says clearly to each one of us go into all the world and make disciples, go and preach the gospel to all nations. By the way, that's not a pastor's assignment. That is a believer's assignment because Mark 16 follows that. It says, and these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. They'll drink uh, deadly things and it will not harm them. Speaking of the supernatural protection of God, if any of you start handling snakes, we will cast one out of you first. (laughs) Stop it. That's nonsense. So, it, this is a believer's call. So we know as a church, we, we know we have that responsibility. But you, 61%, listen, of that same group that said, we bear the responsibility, 61% of those people had not shared the good news with anyone in the last six months. The. We bear the responsibility and yet we're not doing it. How many of you know that that there is a gap between what we know to be true and the truth that we are now living out of by revelation? Now, I am going to say this to you. We as a church refuse to participate in trends, uh, uh, in the church in America. I refuse to participate. That is not okay. I don't want 80% of you feeling like you have a responsibility to share the gospel. I want 100% of you knowing we have a, 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 a responsibility to share the gospel. And I don't want uh, 60% of this church, of the between five and 700 different people that we minister to, in men, women, and ch- child, every, every month, to stay silent about Christ. So what do we have to do? We have to embrace a missional mindset. We have to embrace a missional mindset. We can't just say, I'm gifted. We say, oh yeah, preach the gospel. And then we go out and all we do is go to buffets. Like Christians are just people who go to church and eat. Yes, we go to church and yes, we eat. But there has to be something more. Now listen, that, that survey actually said something powerful. That They asked those same people who went to church one or more times, and they said this. They said, how many of you in the last six months have invited one person, just, just one person to a church service? Listen to this. of those people said, I have invited zero. Zero people to church. Think of that. In the greatest hour of awakening worldwide, and yet here in the church, most of the church is not actively engaged in the awakening that's taking place. So what are we going to do about it? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to come into agreement with what the Spirit of God is saying. And you and I are going to adopt a biblical, missional mindset. And today we're going to look at Acts chapter 20, and we're going to begin in verse 22. And if you want to follow along online, you're welcome to go to calvary.online. Click today's message. It'll pop right up on your phone. Or you can take notes. We have note cards in front of you. We want uh, want you to do that and certainly write down what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. So the Apostle Paul is uh, perhaps the greatest missionary recorded in the Scripture. He, of course, uh, <clears throat> pens much of the New Testament, and God, uh, God does a, a wonderful work. And as he is, is, is wrapping up his assignment on this planet, um, he, is, he is revisiting some churches, but he is making his way back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was home base for Paul in the beginning. He was was making his way back in Acts 20. And he was, uh, on his way back, he was going to go close to some place that was really a, a great success in his history. It's Ephesus. You know, we have the book of Ephesians. And so he pens this letter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to that church. By the way, Ephesians is so significant that Jesus mentions them himself in the book of Revelation. And so this church is successful and influential, considered a, a light to their region. And Paul is on such a mission. He's is, he is back and forth about whether or not to even go there because he loves those people so much. There's been so much success for there. It's going to slow him down in his purpose. So he's kind of skirting the edge and he, he makes the call to their leaders. And then in his farewells, thinking, I will never see these leaders again. He utters the mindset which would cause him to leave behind yesterday's successes, even in the kingdom, to accomplish what God was calling him to do. So this is how we're going to grab hold of a missional mindset to actually peer in to the, the, the unseen motivation of the Apostle Paul. He's going to articulate it very well. Acts 20, verse 22 says this, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. It is within these verses that we're going to draw out this missional mindset, which is actually trans- uh, transformational. Now, uh, Uh, I've got a couple of points a little bit later on, but really this sermon today has one point. Just one point. And the other two are the results of this one point. There is one missional mindset. And it is this, you need to write it down. I live to exalt Christ. A missional mindset is this, I live to exalt Christ. Let me help you a little bit. Why don't we all say it together? I live to exalt Christ. This is the mission statement of every believer. I live to exalt Christ. You say, how do you come up with that? Well, it's verse 24. It says, none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. In this moment, the Apostle Paul says, I've done a little accounting. Maybe some of you in here can identify with that idea. Maybe you've already done your taxes. Some of you are groaning right now thinking, I have to do my taxes. Some of you are happy about your taxes because you're, you're about what will be returning to you. Others of you are going to wait till the last moment knowing what will be leaving you. And what we are doing in that moment is we are accounting for a responsibility. We're accounting for the stewardship that we have toward this nation. And here, the Apostle Paul is counting. What is he saying? On one side of the ledger is my life. But what is on the other side? The other side is Christ. And this is what he says. Compared to Christ, I count my life as nothing. I count my life as nothing. Listen, you're probably not going to hear that in a rosy uh, message you know, at some motivational churches that never utter the name Jesus, scary. That's scary. If you hear a quote-unquote Christian message and they do not use the name Jesus, turn it off. Get into the word of God. Here we have the Apostle Paul. He says, I count my life as nothing. Why? Because on the other side of the ledger is the one who came with holy love and interruption in my life. As I was going to kill his followers, Jesus came. And the Apostle Paul has a revelation of the value of the Son of God. He all of a sudden, he says, I see my life. But then I see the alpha and the omega. I see the beginning and the end. I see the one who stands before the court of heaven as my lawyer called the advocate. I see the bread that's come down from heaven. I see the good shepherd that when a wolf is coming, he bears his rod and his staff and he protects me and comforts me. He's the one. I see the one that causes my cup to flow, flow over, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. I see the captain of our salvation, the bread groom, a bridegroom. He's the bread of life, the Son of God, the Son of man, the Son of David, the soon coming king. He is not only the King of Israel, he's the King of kings. He was saying, I see my life, but I've seen him. I've seen him. And I got to, that life it's nothing. It's nothing. Unfortunately, the 61% they find themselves counting their life as something. Oh, my life is something. Yeah, I, I think it is. And God's going to let me keep some of it. <laughs> you need to listen to last week's message. Because the life that you seek to save, you'll lose. There's no getting around it. The life that you seek to save, the, 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 uh, there is no Jesus and. There is no Jesus and. I don't get Jesus and. I come to Christ and I get Jesus. I get the Holy Spirit. I get redemption. I'm not coming to Jesus to, to prosper even though he may prosper me. I'm not coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, if you save me, then I'll get help. By the way, he is a healer. I don't come to him because of I am coming because he's, he loves me and he redeems me and I've seen his value and his worth and I have no idea why he's interested in me. And we, we, as a church, if we're gonna embrace a missional mindset, we are gonna have to say, I have got to stop exalting me. The Apostle Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, in hopes to train up one of his spiritual sons in the right way, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, utters uh, some words that are probably familiar to some, but maybe. Not familiar to all. In the New Living Translation, this is the Apostle Paul writing to his spiritual son. He says, you should know this. Timothy, in the last days, there are going to be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Disobedient to their parents. And all the children trembled. And ungrateful, they will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others on Facebook proudly <laughs> and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will even act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Do you you see, this, this is not the Apostle Paul saying, don't minister to people like that. He's saying, there will be people who call themselves brothers, but actually walk and live like this. He says, this is not a reflection of a person who's had a revelation of who Christ is. This is not. This is a person who has a revelation of who they are. Not a revelation of Christ. Because when you, you begin to exalt Christ, it comes out of the same revelation that happens to any redeemed human that comes before the throne of God. Which, by the way, for us as a community, we've, we've said farewell to, to uh, four, just in our community, pillars. People who loved God. But in almost every case, there was no tears. Almost every case, there's no tears. Why? Because they know that they are about to open their eyes in heaven, and actually, they're entering into a reward. And, and just like Revelation describes, those who have reckoned their lives as nothing and they finally see him for who he is, what do they do? They're, they're like the elders that are, God is saying, listen, here's your reward and they can't, they can't utter any words other than Worthy. And they take those rewards and crowns and they're casting them down and going worthy, worthy, worthy. No one gets to heaven and thinks, I was way too radical for God. I should have done so much less. I should have just lived for myself a little more. No one gets there and thinks that. You get there and you see him and have a revelation of who, he's actually, who he actually is, and you're like, ah! I could have counted my life as nothing, I could have been unmovable. I'd only known the value of who he is. And by the way, uh, if you're not there, don't think you can just sit in your chair today and think, okay, fine, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna value God a little more. That's not how it happens. You know how you value God more? You dare to position yourself before Him. You dare to just say, God, I'm gonna do what the book of James says. I'm going to take Compared to God, it's so small. It's such a small step toward God. God. But God says, if you will draw near to me, what does heaven do? What does heaven do? in all of its value, in all of its splendor, in all of its worth, as we draw near to God, God draws near to us. You can't live out of revelation of God, knowing His worth, without a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. You can't live with this missional mindset because you made good notes in a sermon. It it requires something so supernatural. It requires God Himself. And if you haven't had that kind of encounter with God come hang out with me it's likely to happen but I just want to let you know those of you in here who are terrified of having an encounter with God in church mine didn't even get to happen in church it happened in a restaurant so we could be glorifying God over some for Jesus I mean fajitas and power come down and you forget about what's in front of you that's what happened to me When you get touched in power, you can say, man, I I count my life as nothing. Anybody remember praying dangerous prayers? When the power of God touched me, I walked out of that restaurant barely because I was shaking. Seriously, that's how I looked. You think, think, oh, I'm going to be a fool for Christ, (laughs) but I'm going to keep my dignity. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't know how that happens for some people. You're the lucky one. The only one. I got no dignity. The power of God falls on me. I lost my natural hunger for food. I got up. I don't even know if I paid that night. (laughs) I walked out trembling, hardly being able to move. The power of God resting on me. And as I shook to my car, I looked at my car and I said, God, if you want my car, you can have it. A couple years later, you know what God did? (sighs) Remember that prayer you prayed as you were stumbling in the parking lot? (laughs) He said, can I have it now? I'm like, ah, right now? Yeah. I gave him my car. Gave it away. The Lord said, in that moment I prayed this prayer. I said, God, you can have my job. I said, you can have it. You can have it. A couple of years later, really only a a few months later, I was trying to get fired (laughs) by preaching the gospel. Because I knew blessed are you when, you when men persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. I'm like, I even heard a black preacher say, don't get sad. Don't get mad. Don't even try to get even. Just rejoice. I'm like, man, I'm going to preach a the gospel. These bosses came. They were like going to try to promote me. I'm like, man, this is my chance. I'm going to preach a gospel to my bosses who are trying to promote me, and they're going to fire me. It's going to be awesome. They promoted me i like, Lord, I didn't see that coming. But one day God said, now it's time. Step away from that and follow me into the unknown. Drop the familiar. Come follow me. And that's what the Lord does. But he, he, listen. How do you find strength to let go of careers when you have a wife and you have children and you have a house and a mortgage? How do you do that? It's because you've seen the one who is of far greater worth and you know that if he said it, he must have it. He must have it in his control. And so all of a sudden, you church, when you have a powerful encounter with God, you begin to live with this statement, I live to exalt Christ. And suddenly in the intimacy of encounter with the Holy Spirit who lives to give you revelation of who Jesus is, all of a sudden, holy priorities. Everything gets get put in the right set. So all of a sudden, I have a missions mindset. I've got to share what he's done, who he is. I've got to share it. That's why the Apostle Paul said, oh, nothing moves me. What's the nothing? The tribulations? The imprisonment? If you actually look at the list of the things that he endured for Christ, he was shipwrecked. He told him, don't Don't take this boat out in the water. It's not going to survive. Fourteen days later, I love the King James. It says everyone was severely tossed. You know what that means? (laughs) Uh, They're all sick. They're lightening the load. Here's Paul and an angel. Say, gentlemen, I told you. But there's good news. All of you will be saved, but this boat, it's going down. He's shipwrecked a night and a day in the deep. He he then survives the shipwreck, goes to make a fire, and a snake comes out and bites him. I'm telling you. You know what he says? None of this moves me. Some of you, the snake would have come out after you've been in the water. You're freezing to death. You're just trying to warm up. The snake comes out and bites you. You would have looked up at heaven and said, that's enough, God. I survived the shipwreck, and now you're going to kill me with a snake? But you know what the Apostle Paul said? None of this moves me, and he shook the snake off in the fire. And a revival happened on the island. Why? Because he counted his life as nothing and he's living to exalt Christ. This is the missional mindset. It comes out of divine encounter with Jesus. I promise you, church, he's more real than you know. He's more present than you know. He's more powerful than you could ever be aware That's why the Apostle Paul can go on and truthfully say in Galatians 2.20... I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ the one whom I've had the revelation of who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying listen I don't know why when I count my life nothing he counted me as something and loved me and rescued me and that is what he is saying to all of us if we will live with a missional mindset in his birth out of this fact that he loves you and that he has come to save you Amen. i know that within this room you think to yourself i don't know if i see anybody else living this way you might be right Very few people who grab hold of what is a biblical, missional mindset. Very few people do it. But those who do live a life like no other. When you live out of revelation of Jesus, that I live to exalt him. There's a spiritual reality for every kingdom advancing believer in Christ. This is the reality, that I live to exalt Christ. You say, well, what about all the stuff that comes against us? What about all of the obstacles? What about coronavirus? You just told me to go into all the world, and the, the airports are shut down. You know, some of us, like, we're so clued in on the coronavirus that we have lost track of Psalm 91. So, which is is greater, Psalm 91 or the coronavirus? Psalm 91. 91. Man, pestilence shall not come near me. It may, a thousand may fall at your right hand, 10,000, your left, it's not coming near you. Come on, some of it, listen, don't be stupid, okay? Don't be ill. Wash your hands. Just because you're spirit-filled, you can still believe in germs, Okay? Come on, let's not be dumb. Don't check your brain at the door. And what I'm saying is don't be, don't be unwise, but I'm saying, uh, uh, listen, the gospel has to go forth. And believers, New Testament believers, every time I looked at believers all throughout the Old Testament and read stories about those from the first, second, and third century, believers, all I saw them doing was running to the conflict, not running away from it. Because they knew that the light in them was the answer to the darkness. That is why I read to you this morning Isaiah chapter 60. Arise and shine. Don't go in your house and hide. Arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Either we believe our God is awesome and is to be exalted or we don't. It says there will be. There will be deep darkness on the people. But not on you. Do you believe that? The the question is, is it's a question of faith. Have I had such a revelation that I will exalt Christ? and count my life as nothing. There are those who've gone before us like Mother Teresa who would nurse those who are dealing with leprosy their whole lives. Others run from the plague. But those filled with God's love and God's purpose and God's missional mindset, they're not afraid of that. They're afraid of just not living the life that God has for them. So, what happens when we live to exalt Christ? Let me give you... Well, before I go there, I I mentioned overcoming. So how do we overcome these fears, all of these obstacles? How do we do it? It's found in Revelation chapter 12. When, When the saints... In the book of Revelation, overcome the devil, they do it with three ingredients. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. These are the ingredients of an overcoming, kingdom-advancing church. It is the work of Jesus how many of you are glad that you have been saved through what Jesus did? That you are not relying on your good works to get into heaven. That it is the blood of Jesus and the grace of God. The grace of God. The unmerited, undeserved favor which falls upon those who repent and believe. It's the blood of Jesus that helps you to overcome. But, it, but there's a couple other ingredients. And it's the word... Of their testimony. It is actually the open mouth. The recounting of the effect. Of the grace and the power. And the person of the Holy Spirit. On the life of those who have placed faith in God. So it's the blood. Which made a way for God to bring change. And people are sharing that change. And. They love not their lives unto the death. Another word for love. Would be cling. They didn't cling to their lives this is this is how we overcome this is why the early church could not be stopped none of them feared death they just they just are like oh this is a door I'm going to see him many would sing as they were burned at the stake almost impervious to the effects of the flame until their spirit left their body this is the reality listen The the church is built on the foundation of the blood of the martyrs. But why would you die for a cause? Why would you die for that? It's not just for a cause, it's for a king. Because they reckon themselves, they reckon their lives is nothing compared to knowing him. Now, what happens when we live in that mindset? Two things. It's mentioned here in the scripture, and I'll go through them quickly. We finish our course with joy. When we exalt Christ with our lives, we finish our course with joy. This is so good. This is what the scripture says. It says, He says, He says, Listen, uh, uh, the life, uh, it says, I count my life as nothing. He says, and, and I do not count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. Recently, I was a, a, at a bedside of a, a, a dear saint. He, he danced in here often. His name was David Shorts. He would dance as he praised God. Just like this. He had Down Syndrome. He was amazing. But I got into his his bedroom right before he would go to heaven. And there I was with Gary and Linda Brian and we laid hands on him. And as we laid hands on him, his spirit left his body that second. Breathe this life. Here's the thing the presence of God filled that room. And this was the, the, the amazing thing about that moment no one cried. It was stunning. It wasn't that crying was off limits, it just wasn't the appropriate response to God's presence in the room. You know what happened? Joy came in the room. We begin to rejoice. Why? Because David had just finished his race. And when he finished his race with joy, I think some of his joy got off on us. Here we are. We're like, yeah, he's in heaven. We're rejoicing in this room. It's like the presence of God. All of us, our eyes were like this. We're like, God's presence is in this room. And listen, when you live to exalt Christ, you finish your race with joy. That's what the scripture says. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. He says, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you run the race, the course that God has set out for you, there is joy in that place. Well, what does it really mean that Paul says, I'm... I so that I may run my race or run my course. What does that mean? This actually represents the good things that God allows us to be a part of. This isn't just talking about uh, the ministry things that we get to be a part of. This is actually about the good things. So part of the course of most of your lives is to be a, a, a part of a family. Maybe you have children. You know what? It's a good thing that you train them up in the way that they should go. It's a good thing that you spend time with them, that you would dare to throw a ball with your son and spend time with your daughter to teach them how to drive while your feet are pressed through the f- floorboard. Um, It's a good thing. And what is this? This is your course. This is your legacy. It's the good things that you get to be a part of. And he says, you get to do that with joy. With joy. Some of you, man, you're in here. You need to get a higher vision of your marriage. You need a higher vision of your marriage. Why? Because that is actually part of your course. And when you live to exalt Christ, you can actually finish your course, your race, with joy. What do I mean? Husbands, man, you would be way better off if you just walk around the house quoting this scripture. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I found a wife and I found a favor that didn't exist apart from her. Some of you need to pick up the scripture. Instead of just quoting all the other ones, drip, drip, drip. A nagging wife is like dripping faucet. Yeah, I know. I know you get your scriptures. Listen, there has never been favor released from a drip, but there has been favor released when you put faith on God's word and you say, nope, there's favor that's here. You can run your race with joy, your course. It's the good that God allows us to be a part of. Now listen, there's a real practical way that you here at Calvary can be a part of it. It's through that faith promise that's in that seat back. That missional faith promise It's right behind the blue worship guide in front of you that you are all taking out now. And you are spelling thousand (laughs) M-I-L-L-I-O-N. I'm good at spelling. You can actually be a part of eternal global change. This is part of your race. Missions is not optional for the church. It's not. It starts here in Jerusalem for us, Inverness. By the way, if Inverness goes to hell and we have an influence in the nation, we have forsaken our purpose we believe Citrus County will be saved to the glory of God we believe high schools will shake middle schools will shake elementary schools will sing to the glory of God we believe government houses will say there's a higher government it's the government upon which his uh, which is placed upon his shoulders and there will be no end that we believe that God will come and invade every segment of this society right here locally all while we are are impacting people globally but in order for us to impact global we have to say this is my course and I'm gonna run it with joy so when we give and when we give even sacrificially to to missionaries we do it and say there is joy because this is a good thing that I get to be a part of secondly when you adopt this mindset of I live to exalt Christ is that you minister the gospel He says, I finished my course and ministry, and my ministry, which is to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we do. When you live to exalt Christ, you just can't help it. You you can't help but share that with people. I, I love that, you know, uh, you know I, I, I guess after you go to some of the same places over and over again, you kind of start getting this reputation. I saw, I, I, I was out in the public at, at, a, at just a place I won't mention. And <laughs> it's not because it's unmentionable, be, but because I don't want to point this lady out. But here she is in the middle of her work, and I sat down in this place. And when I walked in, I could see the weight. That was that was that was just there but when I came in and I begin to say what the Lord told me to say it lifted her countenance yes. begin to lift her out of where the devil had her listen the devil will always try to use circumstance to keep you from eternal purpose by the way I think the devil is trying to use fear against the church connected to this virus to keep us out of eternal purpose. Believe me, I do. I'm not saying that you should be um, uninformed and careful. I'm not saying that. I'm saying don't allow fear to stop you from fulfilling your ministry. What do we do? We give away what we have. Jesus gave himself to us, so we give him away. Every time we share our story, every time we stop to pray for somebody, every time we're moved by the Spirit to say something the Lord has told us to say, we're ministering, ministering the gospel of grace. We tell his story. We say we live to exalt him. We live in an hour where the church has almost been completely disregarded as fake frauds, imposters. But God is raising up a people here who genuinely follow him, who know him, who will live out of this mindset, God, I live to exalt Christ because I count my life as nothing. I want you to begin to pray like never before. God, use me in this harvest field, and he'll use you. I want you to bow your heads today.